Good morning. Go ahead and put up the side there, the scripture there, Tony, if you don't mind. It's already been read, but I want to read this one more time. Psalms 125, verses 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Amen. You may be wondering what this scripture means about what has anything to do about being a shepherd. And hopefully my words that have been placed on my heart, I can communicate those to you effectively. I do ask for grace if, if and just allow the Holy Spirit to, to touch you with his verse. But hopefully it'll be clear uh, once I get finished. Several weeks ago, actually a couple of months ago now, I think, several of us men gathered for a period of time in worship. And Coach Paul Johnson, uh, in his talk, had an interaction. And I like that. I really do. I like to have an interaction, uh, whether it's by facial expression or an occasional amen. There we go. I'm glad I'm not the only voice in the wilderness. So if I would say God is good, what would your response be? Does anybody know this? There you go. So God is good all the time. Amen, amen. I appreciate that very much, so pay attention. I I didn't bring my whistle, Coach, but I can whistle, but I didn't bring the whistle. (laughs) Several weeks ago, John Hill prayed a prayer as we were entering in this selection process for those that are shepherding without the title. And I say amen to that as well. I firmly believe that. There are many in this room that are shepherding today who mentor, who guide, who lead by example, who comfort and pray with one another. And again, those that are hurting, they gather around them. Again, we say amen to that. So yes, some of us wear the title in in this congregation as shepherds, but I would say there are many in this audience that are shepherding. And so that's the thing that I wanted to, to touch on here a little bit today. After a few months being ordained, and that just means selected as a shepherd, several people came up to me and said, well, Bill and Jackie, what's changed? What's changed about becoming a shepherd than when you were just, I don't know what you want to call it, when you were just sitting in the pew, maybe not really. But, and and really, I I share, my answer was the same to everyone that asked. I said, well, you know, we feel like we were shepherding before, But what's changed is, what's changed for Jackie and I is we hear more and more of those who are hurting. You know, we had our peer group of friends and we we knew when they were hurting and, and knew when they had prayer concerns. But becoming a shepherd, you hear obviously congregational wide and even outside the the walls of this building of folks that are hurting. And you know, or whether it's an illness concerns over children, problems in the relationships or marriage, to see people that you love, it's hard. It's hard to see them hurt. You you don't want to see it, but we know in this world there is pain and suffering. And so that was one of the things that changed for Jackie and I. As we were shepherding this, it was seeing folks that hurt. However, However, one of the things that also changed 
is to see that in that time of hurting, in that time of pain, in that time of suffering, the faith that was shown by this body of believers. It's awe-inspiring. It is awe-inspiring to see them receive prayer and sometimes be anointed with oil. If you didn't know that we do that, the shepherds do that upon request. We will anoint you with oil. To see that and to see them call out, surround us, Lord. To see that and call them out, surround us, Lord. Those who ask for prayer for an illness, surround us, Lord. Those who ask for prayer for their children, surround us, Lord. Those who ask to help a damaged relationship, surround us, Lord. Those who ask for problems in their marriage or problems with their children or problems with their fathers, surround us, Lord. That is awe-inspiring. And I can name names of folks that are sitting in this audience today that have called out. Excuse me. And they say, surround us, Lord. And it's an honor and a blessing to do that. To surround them in prayer, to walk beside them. No matter what the circumstance may be, that's the blessing that, that, and the strength of faith that I receive. And also in the blessings, don't get me wrong, we, we rejoice in that. Amen? We rejoice in that. But that's some of the things that have really changed for me and what it means to be a shepherd of this congregation, to see God's people say, surround us, Lord. The Christian singer and songwriter Dave Leonard has a song out called Good Lord. The chorus reads, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know one thing for sure, Good Lord, I've got a good Lord. Every day, every step of the way, you open the door. Good Lord, I have a good Lord. Good Lord, I have a good Lord. God is good all the time. Amen to that. Let us go to God in prayer. Father, we call out, as the psalmist says, surround us, Lord. We fall to our knees and say, surround us, Lord, Father. And Father, we know all the time you are good. And God is good all the time. And Father, we leave this in your prayer and your hands that you continue to surround this congregation, sur surround this community, this city, and this world, Father, because we need to be in your presence. We ask this through your son's name. Amen. Morning. Good morning. I'm Don Mundy, the rookie class of 2019 <laughs> as a shepherd here. So I'm one of the newest along with John Hill and Nathan Heisler. And so someone asked me one time, well, what made you decide to become a shepherd at Homewood? There's really three reasons. One is this place, this church, its people, and the leadership that I got to know when I moved here in December of 2017 until I was asked in the spring of 2019. And the model of leadership that this church espoused and, and took on. Also, a second reason for me was a selfish reason. Uh, it was my family. I mean, you see them scattered all there together. Um, 
I brought a lot of folks with me when I came. Actually, most of them were already here, but um, we brought some others with us. And now we command this middle of this right section here. And when I look down that, that row and see my kids and my nine grandkids, I said, I want to be part of building something here that is going to give them the base that the congregations when I grew up gave me. And that's important. And then lastly, reason is my concern about today's culture. And that's sort of intertwined with a second reason, because I see how it affects my grandkids and the things that they're exposed to. So I'm going to make what sounds like a seemingly contradictory statement and then espouse on it a little bit. The church is in crisis, but the church is also stable. The church has been in crisis since it started. We all know the stories of the early church, the persecution of the church as it was getting started by the Roman Empire, the difficulty of Jews and Gentiles merging cultures together and ideologies around and rallying around the idea of the risen Lord. And then in the Middle Ages, when the church lost its way and became part of the government power structure that resulted in the Crusades and the horror of that. And then in the modern era, starting with the Reformation in the 15 and 1600s to what we have today, the church has always been in crisis in one way or another, but it's also stable. If we don't remember that God's in charge, that we know the end of the story, and that the church was built on a house on a rock, not a house under, uh, with sand underneath it. The church has always been a crisis, it's always been stable, and at least for me, I think as shepherds, we need to keep both those things in mind at the same time. We're to be shepherding a flock and we need to look for those crises as they manifest themselves, but we need to remember who's in charge that it's not us, it's God's in charge as the songs we've sung this morning is the idea of God and His arms around us. So I'm going to mention three things to me that are concerning to me as a church in crisis in our modern age. One, we live in a society enthralled with expressive individualism. I want what I want when I want it, how I want it. I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. Some of you have been in the class that Jackson and Brooks have been teaching. I don't remember the great title of it, something about a handbasket, but it's about the internet. And for those of you of my generation, my age, some of which sit over here, we're aghast at what goes on on the internet. I have to tell you, I've never been on a Reddit bulletin board, and the chances of me getting on one now that Jackson and Brooks have exposed that to me is pretty slim. But what jumps out at me, and I saw it before, but they crystallized it for me, is the rampant individualism and selfish nature of our culture. Everything is about me. Everything. Secondly. 
Our world now sees, often sees Christian morality not as just old-fashioned, but outright dangerous. The world sees what we do as not just old-fashioned, but outright dangerous. We are accused of being judgmental and indicting at times, and at times that's a judgment that's well-placed. We forget the verse, get the log out of your own eye before you get the speck out of your brother's eye. But that can swing too far to the other side, where we don't stand up for those things that we know we're to be about as people in God's image. Secondly, the world sees it as dangerous. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. There are forces in this world that are actively trying to destroy the church. And they're doing it by trying to destroy the nuclear family. And they're doing that by trying to get to our kids. That's a heavy burden for me as a shepherd because if we haven't seen it inside these walls, it's coming because it's relentless. Third, societal forces today seek to isolate and fragment and polarize us. That's what social media is all about, dividing, fragmatizing, isolating. Again, if you don't hear anything I say, hear this, and this isn't just for parents. Social media is not a force for good. There are some good things that happen. It can be used positively, but there are forces not for good. And we need to be on point and looking out for it. I feel that burden as a shepherd. We all need to feel that burden as parents or people individually in our families. So what does this mean for shepherds and the flock here? For shepherds, speaking for myself, I feel like our vision and teaching needs to remind us that we are in this world, not of this world. We are in this world, not of this world. Second, we need to be, as shepherds, we need to be diligent and prepared and aware to confront the worldly forces who are trying to get in this pen. Brett referenced in John 10 last week, and um, it, we talked about it in our connect groups. We need, myself included, we need to be the shepherds that lay down in front of the gate that is the entrance to the sheep pen because there are people trying to get the sheep. But it's not just our responsibility. The flock here has a responsibility as well. What is your responsibility? Pray for us and the new men that will be named as shepherds for wisdom and discernment because it's difficult to do. Discernment is not easy. Discernment comes when we cry out to God's Spirit to show us things that we otherwise couldn't see ourselves because the things that this world puts in front of us have a really pretty paper and bow wrapped around it. But what's inside can be dangerous. Secondly, for the flock, celebrate this community that we have. We're 600 people. 
Remember, with 600 people, there's a chance there are more than one opinion about how to do things. Brian Pruitt reminded us when we had our study about women's roles in the church, he reminded us, don't let decisions made that hopefully were made out of prayer and discernment, if it's something that you don't agree with, to upset community, because community is more important. Those decisions that are made about women's roles and other things that are coming down the pike for the church to deal with will be difficult decisions, and we can't let it destroy community. Last thing, flock, you need to show up. And what do I mean by that? If we're going to gather these sheep in a pen that the shepherd, us as men, and then the great shepherd can look after, there are certain things we need to do. And there's four key things that we do here to promote that community. One is what we're doing right here, worship. Secondly, when we break from here, we go into smaller groups to have a little more intimate setting. We call them Sunday school classes. But there's a purpose to it. If we come here in this room and leave, and I love everybody that, and I love the technology that allows us to be together when we're not here, but live streaming is no replacement for community. We also have been attempting and we will be making other attempts to try to repair the damage that the pandemic did regarding our midweek services. I miss it. It was a key part of my life growing up, not just because it was fun to see everybody with, but every time we get together, connections are made, relationships are strengthened, and the sheep in the pen get closer together and easier to protect. And lastly, our connect groups that are even smaller groups still where prayer can be had and confession can be made. And again, connections and community happen. These activities are not just for numbers to check a box to see how well we're doing as a local congregation. They're important, they're critical, and then we need your participation. So I'm gonna pray this morning for new men that will join this effort with me and the others. It sounds like it's a burden to do it, it is not. As Bill said, it's a joy to do it, but it's a serious task. And it's one that we need to take seriously about who we put up so they can join us in watching over this flock. Let's pray. Father, give us discernment. Give us the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to make decisions that continue to recognize that we're, we're sheep, but we're in your image, we're image bearers of Christ, and we're to be the light to the world. Give us strength when that light seems dull to continue to not cover our light, as, it, as you said in the Sermon on the Mount, to, but to shine and be a city on a hill. Bring us men that will help further this goal and bring us people to this congregation that will rally around this message so we can be a force for good in the city of Birmingham. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Steve Castleman. I am uh, very grateful 
for the message that uh, Bill and Don and their perspective that they brought to us this morning. Um, for the few minutes that I have, I just want to share uh, perhaps my perspective, my thoughts on the roles that are played out uh, during the selection of shepherds. I've had the privilege of serving here for almost 10 years. Um, it was fall of 2013 when I uh, accepted the call on my heart. Uh, one, one thing that has become clearer and clearer to me over the years is that God is faithful to His plans for His church, and He is trustworthy. I believe this. In one of the verses that John Hill gave us to ponder, Paul told Titus, look for men who hold firmly to the trustworthy message that you've been taught. Jesus, when talking to Peter in the presence of his disciples, said, upon this confession, Peter, that you made that my name is the Messiah, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I believe this with all of my heart. The identification of shepherds is a part of God's plan in which we can place our trust and in which is evidence of God's faithfulness to us. One does not generally ask to be a shepherd. As Don mentioned, it's good and true to desire that. But I know of no situation where a man has come up and said, I want to be a shepherd. I know in my case, I didn't. Rather, when I remember that time, I thought, there's no way I can do this. I, I don't know the Bible nearly enough. I, I'm, I'm not prepared for this. What am I supposed to do when I'm faced with this or that or this other thing? How can I help counsel or help someone when there's so much that I still don't know. And I don't have any doubt that those men in this room whose hearts are being moved by the Holy Spirit are probably asking themselves and thinking the same questions. To those men, I say, it is in every moment of your life that God's Spirit is moving. Indeed, it's in the time of quietness, the time of study, and the time of reflection. But I submit to you that it's also in every moment of your busyness. It's in every hectic day when a voice becomes crystal clear, when a scene becomes infinitely defined that God's Spirit is moving and is active in your life. I believe that holds true for those men who are currently serving, and I pray for us as well. The amazing work of God in appointing shepherds in His church has also become clearer and clearer to me. You see, we have not, the early church didn't have the, the benefit of this text that we have. And so, early elders, early shepherds were appointed by apostolic appointment. Paul, when in um, 
is recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 12, he appointed, he and Barnabas, Barnabas appointed elders in Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. And in one of the passages, again, in the Titus passage, Paul gave that authority to Titus. He said, go into the towns of Crete, and in those churches find men who meet these characteristics. As we now have Scripture, our Father invites us in to share it in a different way. If you'll put that verse up. Acts 20 and 28, Luke, in speaking to the elders there, says to says, the flock whom the Holy Spirit has given you, be like shepherds to this church which God has purchased with His blood. The Spirit sets apart people for specific service in the Lord's body. And this is certainly true for those who are set apart to serve as shepherds. Additionally, it's the Spirit that gives some, some to be apostles and prophets, pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4. And to use the other gifts spoken of, 1 Corinthians 12, in their called service to the church. You see, the Spirit, just as Don alluded, the Spirit of God directs what we do. The Spirit of God is moving in and amongst the men of this congregation to let them know what the call is on their lives. It is then the characteristics that Paul sets out in his letters to Titus and to Timothy, and that Peter provides us in his epistle that describes the way in which we as members can recognize those characteristics in the men. The fruits of the Spirit's love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We see them demonstrated in the lives of these men in their active service. And the Spirit gives us that clarity of vision that we can see the men whom He is calling to serve this body. The fact is that shepherds serve at the pleasure of the Lord and by His choice. And we as a body join together in the Spirit's movement in identifying these men for such a time as is in their lives. It's in this I gain a really deeper appreciation of the order and the faithfulness that God has to His church. It seems to me, quite honest, as shepherding groups change over time, that it would be chaotic, that we would get nowhere. That because there's not this common background, this common knowledge, this common working together, that it would just be something where we spin our wheels. But that's not what happens. That's not what's been my experience. I've been a part of three separate shepherding groups, each of them having completely different men who, bring, who brought different gifts to that group. And in each time, God served His purpose in this church for what Homewood needed. And it's because of God's trustworthiness, His faithfulness to His church, that we as people of God can have confidence in what the Holy Spirit does and leads us as we all take part in this process of shepherd selection.
In the same way that God calls order to His church, He calls us to order our lives and for shepherds to lead the way. My favorite verse, for many reasons, is Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And I'm certainly not going to go into the background of that, though it's a fun story. But in light of the thought that I have today, there are two themes that stand out, and I want us to consider how I and others might order their lives as they follow Christ. Paul offers things which our minds should consider. We should consider those things that are true and are noble and are pure and are right, not the chaos that this world offers us. We're called to think on those things that are excellent and praiseworthy. So our minds move to a different place than what this world might call us to. And then for me and for each of us, we have to recognize that people are watching us all the time. So I want to be able to say, and I want each of you to be able to say, that whatever you see me do, whatever you see me say, whatever it is that I might impart to you, do those things. And the promise is that the God of peace will be with you. I'm grateful to be a part of a body of believers that seeks to follow God's plan for His church and for our lives. And I can promise you that just as in the beginning, God is worthy of trust and He is a faithful God and He will see His intent played out in this world and accomplished in this place. So, one of my favorite things, and Brian's not here today, I love him so much, and he and I have talked over the years about the prayers of Paul. And so, I'm going to lead us in a borrowed prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer of Paul from First Philippians, I mean Philippians 1. Um, so, if you would, bow with me. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team if they'll be making their way up. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, what a blessing uh, just to be able to hear from our shepherds today. Um, it was kind of odd for me, I must confess, to sit and receive. Um, but it was a gift to be able to sit with my family and to be able to just receive from our shepherds today. I'm, I'm so, so grateful. Bill, thank you uh, for reminding us that it is the Lord who surrounds us. Uh, Don, thank you for reminding us that we are in the world, but not of it. And Steve, thank you for reminding us that it is the Spirit that guides us. Uh, I love and respect each of you so much, and uh, our shepherds as well. Um, we don't want to leave today without giving you a chance to, uh, to, to meet with one of our shepherds. If you would 
be desirous of a time of prayer. Uh, there'll be a shepherd down front. Then another one of our shepherds, Rick Caulfield, is going to come and, and lead us in prayer in just a moment. Uh, if today's the day that, that you say, you know what, I want to join the journey. I want to, to name Jesus as Lord and be baptized into him the same way that Summer Rudolph was last week. Uh, we would love to celebrate that with you. Uh, if you have a need this morning, I'm going to ask you to, to come either down front or you can meet with one of our shepherds back here in this room to my right, our chapel. Uh, let's stand and sing. <laughs> 